Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. So let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1 because we're continuing in this series that we started some time ago. I asked you what you wanted me to preach on. And um, the first few weeks we talked about prayer because that was the most requested subject and we did that. And the second most requested was the Holy Spirit, which did my heart very good to see you asking about the Spirit of God, His gifts and His power and how do we get Him activated in our lives? How do we access the things of God through Him? What uh, is His purpose? Who is He as far as the Godhead goes? You know, He is a person. The Holy Spirit, is He's not just some faceless entity or some kind of spooky agent of God. He is a person, amen, and he is God, and he, he loves you, and he, and, he, and he is here with you right now as a believer, and he's speaking to us. You know, the, the Spirit of God is here to empower believers. First, uh, as, as we see in uh, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, you may, how many of you know this verse of Scripture? Really? Nobody? Come on, help me out. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. How many of you have heard this verse of Scripture? Okay. Uh, I'm like, did I go, am I in the wrong church? I know that we've talked about this many times. Anyway, um, this, this verse of Scripture, even though you may have heard it a thousand times plus, but there's something wonderful about it because there's still something that we can learn. You can, you can memorize someone's textbook and then you can know what they know. But the difference between that textbook written by men and the Bible that was written by men, inspired though by the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit used men's hands to write the Bible. And that's what, what's different about it is that it's alive. And it has many layers of meaning to it. It has many layers of revelation in it. So you can come back to the, you can hear the same sermon again and again and, and get something new out of it every time. Because it's, it's like I said, it's alive. And, and it's searching hearts. The Spirit of God, revelation comes to us when we hear the Word of God preached or, or taught to us. But then there's a thing called illumination. And this is where he, he illuminates inside. This happens on the inside of the heart of a person. And this is where the Holy Spirit will translate what's being preached to you to tell you what he wants you to know or tell you something that you need. I, I've been amazed at this as long as I've been preaching. By the way, I'm really happy to announce that on Thursday, December 26th, I celebrated nine years as your pastor. Nine years ago on Thursday. Wow. Amazing. Where was I? Oh, yeah, so he tried, yeah, in, 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 in preaching through the years, and, and this happened several times, but I can remember one Sunday in particular, a man came up to me after the service was over, and he said, Pastor, thank you for that word. And he said, man, I, I mean, just really was under this conviction of the Holy Spirit, you know, just the word, it was just so to me. He said, when you were talking about, you know, especially how we treat our, our spouses, he said, and man, that's where I was. He said, I, I've had a fight with my wife on the way to church. You know, and then we just kind of had to put our game face on, you know, when we come into church and he said, and, and I have been short tempered with her and I've not been saying nice things to her. And he said, but man, when you, and I, as he's saying, as he's t saying this to me, I'm like, I never said anything like that today. 
Never say anything about how you treat your spouse or anything, but it was the word. See, the Holy Spirit began to illuminate something in his heart and tell him what he needed to know, despite what I was saying. Because like I said, the word of God is multi-layered. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And so it, 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 uh, as, as Hebrews 4 says, it's sharper and more powerful than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. So it deals with the soul, spirit, and the flesh and the blood. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. While we look on the outside, God's looking at our heart. And let me tell you something, that's good news. I'm glad he's not looking at my head as much as he's looking at my heart. Because <laughs> my heart's right. I want to do, I mean, in my heart, I want to do the right thing. I want to serve God. I want to please God. But, you know, we got this, what a friend of mine calls stinking thinking up here that, that gets in the way right, of who we really are in him, because he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your heart is completely and totally whole. Isn't that beautiful? Your spirit, the essence of who you are, a born-again spirit of God. You have the same desires that God has, but you're going to fight this flesh on every, on every turn about it. The flesh is, it don't want to serve God. It don't want to be nice. It didn't want to say nice things. It don't want to be generous. It, it just doesn't. It wants to please and serve itself. And so the spirit against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. Come on, if you've been a Christian five minutes, you've realized there's a struggle, right? But you have the victory. And Paul said, here's, here's what's going on. With your choice, with the mind, you're going to serve the flesh or you're going to serve the spirit. Man, don't you wish you could blame it on somebody else? Why can't we blame it on the Republicans or the Democrats or, or the whites or the blacks or the browns or the yellows? Why, why can't it be somebody else's fault? Because I hear everybody else saying it is somebody else's fault all the time. No, it's right here, folks, right here. Hmm? With your mind, you're going to serve the spirit, and with your mind, you're going to serve the flesh. Let's go ahead and take a moment of personal adult responsibility and let that soak in. Hmm? I mean, I'm telling you, I wish to God I could be a Calvinist. Or everything could just be God's fault. It's all his plan anyway. I'm just a pawn in his cosmic game of chess. But no, he don't allow that. He not, no, no, no. You be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hmm? And this tongue that we have in our mouth, the book of James teaches us that it is the rudder that is guiding the vessel of our life. You know, not, not a lot of people are taking time to think about what's coming out of their mouth. I can't help. I just say what's on my mind. Yeah, and that's why you got chaos all around you all the time. That's why, not, that, that's why things fall apart in your life. Because you just say what's on your mind. Spare us all. Please. You don't have to say everything that's on your mind. I mean, wouldn't the world just be a better place if people learned the wisdom of Silence, biting our tongues, refusing to comment while we hide behind our computer with no accountability. Hmm? Uh, we're all accountable. Jesus said, by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Now, I'm not here to rain on anybody's parade here today. I'm here to help you and help us see what the truth really is and why we need the Holy Spirit. 
Why we need this. You shall receive. This is Acts 1.8. You shall receive what? Power. Now notice that it didn't say that you're going to conjure up some power. You're not going to really work hard for this power. You're not going to initiate this power. No, you shall receive power. There's all kinds of labels that men put on different belief systems. If some were to walk in here today and hear what we preach on it, or if they, you know, have been around us a certain amount of time, they might say something like, mm, that's a charismatic church, or that's a Pentecostal church, or that's a full gospel church, or that's a weird church, whatever they might label us as. That, that's, whatever that, that's not even what matters. What, here's the truth. We are people who have received something from God. That's it. We're just people who have received something from God. And it's changed our lives because that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. He's here to change your life. He's here to make a difference for you. He's here to help you have a different kind of life, a good life. He's on your side. He's not here to make you do things you don't want to do. He's actually here to help you see the desires of your heart fulfilled. I thank God for the Spirit, and I thank God for this power because what He's able to do is the Spirit of God is able to come in and make our weaknesses obsolete if we'll allow Him. By Him empowering us, by His power, by His strength, by His ability. Not by us. It's not really about us or where we came from. Or it doesn't matter. It's about Him and His ability to empower us. You hear us preach several themes here. We keep revisiting things here at our church, especially those reoccurring uh, themes in the New Testament, one being faith in God. Faith uh, is mentioned something like 555 times or something like that in the New Testament, twice as much as love, actually. We, so we talk about faith at One Cause Church because it's an important subject of the Word. We talk about the grace of God. Aren't you grateful for the grace of God? Because you couldn't access the grace of God without faith. But when you do believe, you access the grace of God, which is God's unearned, God's undeserved, His unmerited favor. Right? Grace is God's hand reaching to us. Faith is our hand reaching up to Him to receive. His, his, his hand giving grace, our faith is receiving. Isn't that beautiful? So... But we also talk about the love of God because it's faith doesn't work except by love. We talk about the goodness of God. And I feel a personal responsibility to continue to defend the character of my good heavenly father because he gets a lot of credit that the devil should get credit for. He gets a lot of credit that people who screw up, right, should get credit for because he's good and he's faithful. And he's never going to... Apart from that, the scripture says it's actually impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for him to lie. He is the absolute essence of good. And he loves you. And the Holy Spirit is here to ensure these good things come to you, that you are, are aware. Uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 1.12 that says, We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know. This is so important. We might know, not wonder. Not quite, no, but we might know the things that have freely been given to us by God. He's here to show you what's free to you by God. Isn't that good to know? Yeah. Amen. 
We talk about the cross, but we don't talk about the cross without the blood of Jesus. The real point of that cross is that he shed his blood. The Lamb of God would take away the sins of the world. And by that shed blood, he would usher in, praise God, a whole new covenant. As Hebrews says, a new and living way. A better covenant established upon better promises. Not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by his mercy. And by his grace, he saved us. And Jesus willingly took our faults. Took the blame for all of our faults and our sins. And God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins to them. Which means God... Got over your sin. He got over it. He's not angry. He's not angry with you. If God is angry with the world, then he's not just. Because you can't put Jesus through what he did and still be mad. Now, Jesus either took all of it away or he took none. He didn't do half a job. He said, it is finished. The fact that he is seated now, seated at the right hand of God, has signified the work is done. God's wrath is satisfied in his son. Woo! Now, there is wrath coming, but that's not the father's wrath. That's the son's wrath. While Jesus is sitting, the scripture says that his vesture is dipped in blood. He's sitting in blood, and his blood is speaking on our behalf. There is coming a day when Jesus is going to stand up off of that mercy seat, and he's going to come back. And, and those who are enemies of God, they're not going to be happy about being enemies with him anymore because he is going to come. And bring vengeance upon those who rejected his blood sacrifice for their sins. People still have a choice. People still have a choice. But that's, that's later. Right now, though, God sees a reconciled world. I don't understand why so many preachers are preaching angry. Preaching on, uh, like they're representing an angry God. Like the cross... Never happened. Like Jesus being buried and rising from, again from the dead didn't really make a difference. God's still ticked off. No, you're ticked off, and you need to get over it, buddy. Huh? And they say things like, they, they, they shield themselves behind this. Well, somebody's going to say the truth. I'm here to tell you the truth. Okay. But with Jesus... Through Moses came the law. Through Jesus Christ came grace and truth. Grace and truth are not enemies. <laughs> grace and truth come together. All right? I don't just preach them feel-good messages. Why not? It's wonderful. Why not? Well, I can't get over what Jesus has done. How are we supposed to feel about it? I mean, he saved us from hell. Right? He redeemed us from our sins. He came to heal us. He came to, what about doing good? How am I supposed to feel about that when the scripture says, blessed, uh, in Romans chapter 10 says, how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach, watch, the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. If you're hearing a gospel of peace and you're hearing glad tidings of good things, how do you reckon you're going to feel about that? I'm not so much concerned about how a message makes someone, makes someone feel. Uh, that's, not, that's not the goal. The goal is to see the word alive in your life. But it just happens to bring about joy, peace, good feelings. What do you think heaven's going to be like? Are these legalistic friends of mine going to walk up there? Why is everybody so happy all the time up here? I don't understand. It's always just feel-good music and all the... <laughs> 
Hey, why don't we go ahead and just start practicing for heaven? Amen. Let's talk about the goodness of God. Amen. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. All right, pray for my legalistic brothers and sisters. Sisters. You shall receive, I say, I shall receive this power. Yeah. And when, he says, when, the, the King James says, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Actually, the King James says, Holy Ghost. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Thank God. How God anointed, Acts 10, 38, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing what? Isn't it interesting? The very first thing it says he went about doing was good. After being empowered by the Holy Spirit, he went about doing good. And healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Jesus didn't do anything until the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that's what he's telling the disciples. You go and wait for the promise of the Father, but when he comes, you're going to be undued with power. All right? Don't do anything without the the Holy Spirit in your life. You really can't do it. Praise God. So, and Peter says here in verse 39, And we are witnesses of these things. of all things which he did, both in the, in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Now, Peter is standing here in a, in a house uh, of a man by the name of Cornelius, who is a Gentile, or a, might as well be a McKinnian or wherever you're from. Where are you from? Tell me where you're from. Princetonian? Friscoian? Where? Trentonian? <laughs> wherever you're from... Cornelius represents all of us because this is the very first recording of a Gentile getting saved. Now, when I was growing up in my Pentecost church, everything was Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38. But that's, that's not where our beginning is. Jews got saved in Acts chapter 2. Not one Gentile got saved when 3,000 souls were added that day. This is the first Gentile right here. This is our beginning, Acts chapter 10. It's a pinnacle chapter in the Bible. It's so important that we understand the significance of this because this is where we realize salvation is for everyone. God's eyes are not only on Israel now. Now he has welcomed the world to salvation. Anyone can get saved. Even my grandma could get saved. Both of my grandmothers passed away this month. My Pentecostal grandma, who She's the reason why all our family's in the kingdom of God, because she prayed us in. And if you happen to have a little spirit-filled grandmother praying for you, and you're trying to run from God, you better give up, because you ain't winning that deal. Anyway, she passed away on December the 5th. And then my mother's mother, Peggy, Grandma Kerr, passed away on the 23rd. She, we weren't expecting her to pass. She was 87. I mean, that's a good age. She, but we weren't expecting that one. So it's been a little, little tough month. Not for them. I mean, they decided they were just going to spend Christmas in heaven this year, I guess, and just start there. But it's been a little sombering. But my grandmother, my mom's mom, Peggy, I'll just say Peggy, that way you can know who I'm talking about. She was not like my grandma Holler. She, for many, many years, did not walk with God. She didn't care about the things of God and um, had a lot of issues in her life, a lot of bitterness and prejudice and it was part of her upbringing and you know it just was magnified in her life and um, my mother and my dad decided that they were going to have a baby well they didn't really plan on it because they were 16 years old they were juniors in high school 
And lo and behold, Eric Holler is conceived. <laughs> Some mysterious way. Well, Peggy, my grandmother, told um, she did not see any future in that for, for any of them. First of all, they didn't have much money, and my mom's a junior in high school. So she had made up her mind that she was going to drive my mom to California because then California was the only state that you could have a legal abortion. And they were going to rid themselves of me. Um, but my grandfather, on the other side, my dad's dad, Grandpa Holler, asked to meet with my grandmother. And she did. And he asked her not to go through with this. He said, if I'll take all the financial responsibility if you'll just let her have this baby. Well, she agreed, obviously. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know the story until years later because I probably would have been a bitter kid. <laughs> but I mean, my parents didn't tell me any of that when I was a kid. But later on, I learned this. But the, the, really, the miraculous thing behind this is because my... And then, and then there was a time where my grandmother didn't want anything to do with my mom, therefore none of us, so we didn't get to see her for a long time. Like I said, she just had a lot of... A lot of issues. But in 2005, she came to our church downtown when, when we were downtown McKinney, Cornerstone Worship Center. And we were doing a Christmas production called The Gospel According to Scrooge, where I, the second best Scrooge to Alex, played that part. And, you know, the moment where Scrooge hits his knees at his grave and we give the version where he gets saved and he cries out to God and gives his heart to Jesus. And then upon that, we invited people to come and to know Christ. And my grandmother answered that altar call. And she gave her heart to Jesus that day. And the restoring, redeeming work of the Holy Spirit is marvelous, isn't it? And from that day forward, she was different. Her and my mom, my mom would have Bible studies every Tuesday over the phone. And even my dad, who believes the best in anybody, still had a hard time believing that his mother-in-law had really made that big of a turn. <laughs> but it truly was a miracle, just watching the power of the Holy Spirit and how she, she let go of so much of the bitterness that she had in her life, and she became a pleasant person to be around. It was, it was marvelous to see what God was doing in her life. And her hunger for the Scriptures and the Word of God, it was just extraordinary. So Friday night, I got to stand up in Marietta, Oklahoma at the funeral home and boldly declare that my grandmother came to know Christ. And now she's with him. And now I get to preach to everybody in this room. Because if grandma could be here right now, she would tell all of you, whatever you do, don't miss this place. Put your faith in Jesus. Because this is really living now. I love, I love that this message has come to everyone. That's why we don't lose heart. And that's why we don't lose our witness. That's why we don't lose this ministry of reconciliation. Or the word says this word of reconciliation. Listen, people need to hear this gospel. Right. Well, I don't know how to preach. You don't know to, it's not about knowing how to preach. Can you say this? Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again three days later. Yeah. Believe that and you'll be saved. Yeah, but what if they don't understand? It's not about... No, you're explaining the gospel is not what helps people. Proclaiming the gospel is what helps people. We're not explainers, we're proclaimers. Amen? Because we start explaining, we'll screw it all up. I'm telling you, we'll just goof stuff up real fast. 
We've got to keep the simplicity of the gospel as it is. Christ died for our sins. I want you to say that with me. Christ died for our sins. And he was buried. And he rose again the third day. Guess what? You've just declared the gospel. How simple is that? Hmm? The gospel has the power to save. I don't have the power to save. It's not my job to save people. I can't do it. It's my ministry. It's your ministry to preach the gospel that saves. Woo. See, that, that pressure's not on you. Well, I got I to gotta make sure. I gotta, no, no, you can't possibly make sure. Huh? Let God handle that part. You just yeah. give them the good news. Amen. I've got a couple more minutes. I want to talk about this for just a moment, that what happened later on in this chapter, in Acts chapter 10, as Peter's preaching, he gets to this one place in verse 43, and he says, to him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. Right there is that invitation, the wide open, whoever. Isn't that glorious? Whoever believes on him. And he says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And then those guys that had come with Peter, he had some Jewish brothers that had come with him, they're astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them do what? What did they hear them do? Why are y'all saying? You're, you're in a safe place here. <laughs> they heard them What? Speaking in tongues and magnifying God. Heard them speaking in tongues. And Peter said, whoa, 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 hang on a second. This is different than our other experience before. Because before we told them you must believe and be baptized and then you can receive the gift of the Spirit. But this is messed up because nobody's been water baptized yet. What's going on here? And the Lord's saying, I'm showing you something new, Peter. This message to the Gentile is a bit different from the message to the Jew. I'm not going to let you screw it up with Jewishness. Because that is, that is the Jew gospel, and this is the Gentile gospel. The Jewish gospel is to believe on the Lord, yes, but it's also to be baptized to, for the remission of their sins, and it's also to keep the law of Moses. But the Gentile is to believe it. I think we got the easier deal <laughs> with you. Hmm? And, but there was a huge debate in, in Acts chapter 15. Later on, they have this, what they call the... The council, uh, the first council in Jerusalem, and that was they had to settle the issue for how one is made righteous and how do they keep their righteousness because they were saying, no, 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 it, okay, these Gentiles getting saved, okay, we'll choke that down, but, um, but they also have to be circumcised and they've got to keep the law of Moses. So they have all this arguing and disputing, and then Peter stands up and goes back to this day when he's at Cornelius' house. He says, you know, a good while ago, God chose that by my mouth that the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, God gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit by pur purifying their hearts by faith. The only thing, he had to think about what happened. He had to think about what happened. What did I say that caused that to happen? All of a sudden, I'm speaking, I'm preaching the gospel, and then they, they're speaking in tongues. They got the gift of the Spirit. What, what happened that day? And it was whoever believes on him. That was the simple message. They didn't pray a prayer. Think about this. Does this mess with our doctrine a little bit? We've got to pray a prayer. Don't we don't make sure that people are saying, no, nobody's prayed a prayer. They're just hearing the gospel. See, it's got the power to save. They're hearing it, and then apparently their hearts believed it, and God said, okay, here's the Holy Spirit. And they start speaking in tongues, and Peter's like, whoa, 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 hang on a second. 
Now, you don't have to speak in tongues to be saved, but only saved people do speak in tongues. So these guys got saved. Because I heard Jesus say, these signs will follow those who believe. And one of those things is they'll speak in new tongues. So then they're believers. Peter didn't go, what kind of pagan godless jargon is this? (laughs) He wasn't sitting there scrutinizing it. No. He believed it. They had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, from that day forward, once Peter got the door open, then God called Saul of Tarsus later to become the Apostle Paul who would take that thing to the nth degree to bring the gospel to the Gentile world. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I love this gospel. But this other experience of the Spirit comes right along with it. We see New Testament demonstration over and over again. People being saved, being baptized in the Spirit, and speaking in other tongues. You know, every author of the New Testament spoke in tongues. Every writer in the New Testament. It's important. It's important, and we must remember how important it is, and we must be those who... If you are filled, if you're baptized in the Spirit, that you make a conscious effort to pray in the Spirit because it's so easy to just set it aside. I mean, I'm guilty. I hate to admit it, but I've been guilty of one who's gone days without doing it. And then just run into frustration, all kinds of stuff. And then all of a sudden I remember, oh, yeah, I'm baptizing the Holy Ghost. What am I doing? Why am I trying to all this? When it says the Spirit's here to help me in my weakness, when I don't know what to pray, what am I doing? And all of a sudden, start praying in the Spirit. Man, things start turning around like, oh, wow. I told 930 service, if you're ever having trouble going to sleep at night, just start praying in tongues. Boy, your body just, mm. <laughs> nope, don't want none of that. Or crack open your Bible. Your eyes just get really, mm. Wait, I was so wide awake, yeah. Yeah, the flesh against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh. My, my, my Pentecostal grandma, when she got baptized in the Spirit, she'd been praying for it, praying for it. I mean, she was praying for it. Well, we used to call it praying through. You got to pray through, pray through. You got to tarry, is another word, not, not like, like a man's name, but tarry, like wait, <laughs> linger. Tarry, tarry. Got to pray through, pray through. Well, she got it that way. And, and one night she got so baptized in the Holy Ghost, she was, I mean, this is Pentecostal, running around the church, hollering, screaming, crying, and praying in tongues. And her hands, and she said, I couldn't put my hands down. I couldn't put my hands down. My hands stayed up in the air until midnight that night. She said it was glorious. It was a wonderful experience. And my dad, who's watching this happen, he's hearing all these people's stories. Well, he doesn't speak in tongues, but he wants to. And, I mean, he's been raised up in this Pentecostal church where that's what they do and he's never done it and so he's God I want to do this I want to do that and he really wanted it so bad but nothing was happening and then he remembered he was at home one night in bed and he remembered a lady in church telling (laughs) testifying that she had received it in the kitchen so he's like I'm going to the kitchen so he gets up out of bed and he goes in there in the kitchen and he's like (laughs) just waiting and and he says God I want this I I cannot be the only Pentecostal preacher that don't speak in tongues. And he said, I hit my knees, and all of a sudden I see something in my, in my imagination, my mind's eye, and it's like ticker tape, and these words that I'd never seen before going across. And he said, when I saw him, he said, I just, I said the first word. It was weird. I just, I just said that word, and he said, the moment I said, the enemy said, don't do that. That's not it. 
Because if that was it, you would sound like, what's her name? Who got it in the kitchen? And she can, I mean, she can really go. But you just got that one weird word. No, no, no. And so then dad's like, oh my God, I hope I didn't blaspheme. Oh God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just trying. Several months go by. He gets invited to speak at a meeting. A meeting full of spirit-filled, spirit-baptized people who speak in other tongues. And they're asking the guy who's supposed to be Pentecostal to come who don't speak in tongues. He gets to this meeting and he said, I'm first introduced to what they call charismatic people. He said, you know what charismatic people are? They are people who come from other denominations, like Baptists who got baptized in the Holy Spirit and no longer could be welcome in their Baptist church any longer because they speak in other tongues, or Methodists or Catholics. or He's all kinds of denominations coming out of denominations that didn't believe in it, but now they're speaking in tongues and now they've, they've taken on this label charismatic. He said, I, I was born into this. He said, I'm looking around, and before I get up to speak, people are praying. He said, I'm looking around. I know she's Baptist, and there she is speaking in tongues, and I'm not. It was frustrating for him. And again, he says, God, I don't want to go up there and preach. This is a contradiction. I, I need this. And he said, I heard the Lord say, you already got it, John. He said, I do. And he said, immediately, I was taken back to that night when I saw that ticker tape and said that word. That's it? Yes, do that. And he said, so I just said that word again months later. He said, and right following behind that, all this language began to roll out. My mother sat in that, in that meeting, and she'd come out of church, Christ Church. And she's sitting in the meeting. She's just taking it all in. And a woman walks up to her, and she says, do you want to be baptized in the Spirit? And she says, yes. She, she just lays her hands on her, and she starts speaking in tongues right there. And my dad's like, well, that was easy. Everybody's got different experiences who has done it. And how many of you remember the first time you spoke in tongues? If you do speak in tongues, yeah? how, you remember that, that, that day how, I mean, like you crossed over this threshold, right? I mean, you just, I don't remember that. I don't remember my first time because I was so young and it never seemed weird to me. So I just started doing it one day. I don't even remember the beginning of it which is odd when I hear other people say, oh, it was so weird. I was so scared. Like, I didn't know any of that. But everybody's experiences are different. But what I'm saying here today is there's a reason why God has highlighted this gift for us as the church. It was throughout the beginning of the church and continued. Somewhere along the way, though, this thing that brought the church together and unified it the devil has, I'll say, I'll give him credit. He's done a good job of making it the dividing thing rather than the unifying thing. And if we'll just stop being divisive and readily receive, you shall receive. It's a gift from God. And if you're here today and you've never had that experience of being baptized in the Spirit, I'll be right here right after church to pray with you. I don't want you to leave here without it if you don't want to leave here without it. And if you do speak in tongues, I told our 930 service, I'm, I'm making this my goal this year too, 2020, every day I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Every day this next year, I'm not going to miss a day. Hmm? Every day. Because I ask people through the years, how many of you think that you pray in tongues way too much? Now, nobody thinks they do. How many of you don't think you pray enough in tongues? Right? 
And he's there to help us, my family. And we need him and we need his power at work in our lives. And he's given us that way because the reason God gave us tongues is to make us be weird. No, that's not why he, made us, why he gave us tongues. The reason he gave us tongues is so, because he knows that that tongue is what? The rudder that's guiding the vessel of our life. And if you can get your mouth right, guess what? You get your life right. Oh, God, he's given us the words to say to help guide our lives. Mm, amen. Can yeah. that make you want to pray in tongues? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> uh, thank you, Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. God, help us to awaken more to it, to hunger for it more, to initiate, God, this gift that you've given us and to, to pray in the Spirit, Lord, to acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you can rightfully direct our paths. You'll guide us into all truth. You'll teach us all things. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit is, to even show us things to come. God, help us to be so spiritually aware and sensitive. Coming into this next year, may it, Lord, be the greatest walk with God year of our lives. Have the greatest experiences. Come into greater understanding because we've decided we're going after God and we are, we are, we are, we are pressing into the things of God more much more. We're going to be more aware and, and more wide awake in the things of the Spirit, more purposeful. We've got so many things that make us busy, so many things that distract us that these things are so easy to lose sight of. But God, we cannot lose sight of this most important thing. We need your Spirit. We need the power of your Spirit. And we thank you for it. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that each and every person here would have greater experiences, new experiences in the Spirit. And we thank you. We welcome you. Won't you just pray? Just, just welcome the Holy Spirit to have his way in your life. Just say, have your way in me. I don't wanna, I'm not going to argue with you. Lead me and guide me. I know you're taking me into good things. And I might not like it sometimes, but I'm going to go with you. Because I know you know what's up. You know what's down the road. You know what's right. You know what's good. And you're always going to lead me in the right thing. So I'm, I'm surrendering to you afresh and anew. Spirit of God, help me. Change me. I welcome your empowering in my life for the glory of God. I know that it's your power that will help me be a better husband better father help me have a better attitude I, I know it's your the power of your spirit that's going to help me even live healthier make better choices so I'm well welcoming you now and I thank you for your grace and I thank you for your mercy thank you that you do not hold my sins against me Jesus did that for me he took all the blame for my wrongdoings and I thank you for that Lord have your way in me Lord help us all to remember this truth that our bodies are temples temples of the Holy Spirit a dwelling place for the Spirit of God Thank you, Lord. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.